Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and week one is finally here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 206. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I sit down with Greg Cosell, our first regular season installment of Chalk Talk, where we are going to break down the week one matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins. A lot to dive into with both of these teams going into the regular season. What is it going to look like on Sunday afternoon? We will get into that in that discussion. Then, Scouting Report is back here for the regular season. I'm going to break down my college notes on Darius Geist, the Eagles or the Redskins' second-year running back out of LSU. We'll see what I thought of him coming out of college just last year. But first, let's start things off with Chalk Talk. Let's get things going here with Greg Cosell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, uh, we made it, Greg Cosell. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at Greg Cosell. Greg, we, uh, it's the first Chalk Talk of the 2019 season where we're actually breaking down uh, a regular season game that matters in the standings, and I couldn't be more fired up uh, to get into this discussion. I cannot tell you how happy I am for Thursday night and then for Sunday. Yeah. It's just, you know, preseason is, is fun to watch individual players, but you and I both, we love watching schemes and tactics. And obviously in preseason, they don't mean a ton. Yep. So I'm so excited for the regular season it to get going. It felt longer than normal this year. You know why? Because teams did not play a lot of the, of the regular valid. players. Yeah, that might be true. So even in yep. that third preseason game, I don't know the number of teams, but many, many teams didn't even play their regulars at all. Yeah. I mean, it was gospel years ago that starters would play well into the third quarter in the third preseason game. Yep. That rarely happened this year. Oh, a different world, and for, for good yeah. reason, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, let's get into this matchup. Cause, okay. Uh, you know, usually what you'll see is you know the first half of our discussion each week will be based off the last game, I'll and then the second half will be looking forward. But obviously, we don't have that first game to look back at. So this is all kind of, you know, we're projecting at we're this projecting. point, a whole off-season's worth of projection uh, into what these two teams are going to look like. But let's just kind of go... Almost position by position. I want to start with with the Redskins and basically just kind of make it matchup centric. You know, I think when you look at this Washington team, uh, you know, they they decide the quarterback is going to be Case Keenum. Right. Not really a big surprise to me. You know, once Colt McCoy was injured, I think that kind of closed the book uh, that it would be Keenum. I think this is a team that you know with with Jay Gruden. I don't want to say they rely on veterans, but it didn't surprise me that they went with Keenum as opposed with Haskins to start the season. No, and I think when you watch Haskins in the preseason, which I know you did, you saw the uneven nature of his play. You saw the positives. You saw the negatives. But I think you saw the fact that he wasn't truly ready to be a starting quarterback, particularly week one on the road against the Eagles. Yeah. That's a tough matchup. They don't want to have to scale things down because no. that's what you would have no. to do. For any, for almost any rookie quarterback, you have to scale things down. They wouldn't have wanted to do that, especially to start things off against division no. rival. And so if you start to look ahead a little bit, we kind of know what Case Keenum is. Obviously, the Eagles played against him in the NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl winning season. 
he's really no different now than he was then. Yep. Um, he's a player that, you know, for want of a better term and a term I, I don't love, but everybody oh, knows what it use means. It. Oh, you know, I don't you usually hear you throw no, this one no, out. No, 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 and I don't like to, but <laughs> but I, I don't know how else to really right, say it yep. right now because he's a system player, but every quarterback is truly a system quarterback. But the point is, is you you want the rest of your offense to really work very effectively, and I think because of Keenum, they'll start their offense with the run game. Yeah, I, I think really when you look at what they've done in the past, when the Redskins are at their best under Jay Gruden, they're running the football and they're running it well. And I think when you look at Correct. you know Darius Geis uh, coming back healthy, uh, obviously t- missed all of last season with that torn ACL that he suffered last preseason. I think when you look at uh, what the, when they're at their best offensively, it's multiple tight ends, very wide multiple run game, a lot of different things they yes, do up front, yes. and they want to run the football. Yes, and the pass game then becomes a rhythm-timing pass game that works off of that. Yeah. Because I think when Jay Gruden is at his best and the Redskins are playing at their best, the pass game is rhythmic. It's not necessarily a downfield passing game. Sure, they'll take a shot here and there, but it's much more of a rhythm pass game, which is what Case Keenum is. Yeah. And at this point, we don't know if Dwayne Haskins is that, right. but we know that that's what Case Keenum is if he's at his best. I mean, I think there was a throw in the preseason, and yes, it's preseason, but it, it doesn't matter. That kind of reflects what I think they would love to be able to do with Case Keenum, and and I know you saw it. It's when he hit the bang eight to Cam Sims uh, yep. for 28 yards. You know, that that's a, a five-step drop throw, plant, deliver it. I mean, that's the kind of rhythm throw they'd like to be able to make. The throw, that throw in particular made me go, Cam Sims, who is Cam Sims? And you and I spend all season, you know, all year long, we're watching college with an right. eye towards college guys. Every year in the preseason, a guy makes a play, and I'm like, Cam Sims, Alabama. Like, I, right. I remember the name, but I don't know the name. But, like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I didn't, I did no work on this guy. And that was, a, that was a hell of a play. Oh, yeah. Uh, I ended up not making the 53 man roster for Cam Sims. But, um, but I, yeah, but just the style of play, yes, the nature no of the play. Exactly. You know, it's right. a rhythm play. But uh, to get back to your point, I think Darius Geis is a really critical piece of this Redskins offense, and yeah. I think they see him that way. He was drafted to be that. Um, we we know what he was at, at LSU. He's physical. He's urgent. He's aggressive. Yep. He can move the pile. He has great contact balance. Not a true burner, although he had some long runs in the SEC, but I wouldn't see him That's as— not, He's not a dynamic athlete. No, no, but— He's got a very strong lower body, and it fits, again, what they want because ideally he's a sustainer and a grinder, the kind of back that if it's blocked for three, gets six or seven, and all of a sudden you're in second and three, maybe third and two, and with Case Keenum as your quarterback, that's exactly where you want to be. Or if it was a rookie, that, that would be well, what Well, you'd want to be there regardless of who the quarterback is, yeah. yes. I think when you look at guys, um, you know, we talked about it last week, and it was from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, you know, people, I think, are kind of forgetting what he was a couple of years ago Correct. coming out of LSU. Uh, a guy that can be, you know, maybe not over the course of a 16-game season be the foundation, but certainly in any given week could be a guy that can handle 25 carries and be the, be the focal point of your offense. No, and I think... He probably could be a foundation back. We'll see. He obviously had the ACL, but guys do come back from that now. Um, Size-wise, style-wise, with his physicality, he, he's a sustaining type back. Yeah. Uh, whether he can last 16 weeks, that remains to be seen. Yep. But I think stylistically, he he fits that 
that kind of role as a, as a foundation runner. Yeah, and they've got Adrian Peterson still there in the back, and a guy that obviously we know, you know, at, at this point in his career, he's not what he was, but still has the ability to take on a large load if guys, you know, right, is right. limited. In it's going to be interesting because I think both guys are volume runners. Yes, and. You can't have two. Describe that when you say a volume runner for the listeners, what does that mean? I think backs who need more carries as the game progresses to feel comfortable and and get into their own rhythm. Yeah. You know, I don't think Peterson is a guy you put in for one series, give him the ball twice, then he doesn't see the field for three more series. I think they're both guys who need a lot of carries to be effective. They're four quarter type runners. You can't have two backs who are like that. You right. can't, there's not enough snaps to go around. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And they, they still have one of the best third down backs in football in Chris Thompson, yep. a guy who's been a thorn in the side Without of the Eagles question. for a long time, you know, just with his ability uh, to make plays, not just as a runner draws, you know, they'll do some perimeter stuff with him as well, but then also in the passing game, do a lot of different things with him through the air, whether it's the screen game or vertical routes from the backfield. And you know what? I think that's a really important point you made about Chris Thompson in this given game because one thing I think they'll look at uh, and this is what teams do you know I spent a lot of this offseason talking to coaches and every time I talked to a coach the first thing I heard was it's a matchup league mm. that, that's what I heard all the yep. time and I think with Chris Thompson what you'll see is they'll try to create through formation, maybe shifts, motions, personnel packages to test those Eagles linebackers in coverage. You think we'll see more two back stuff from them when maybe we, maybe we have in the past? I think because looking at their skill position player, we'll talk about the receiving right. core. You know, it's not like this is a team that's really deep at wide receiver. No, no. So I, this is a team that and we'll talk about this. And they parted ways with the first round pick from a few Josh years Doxon, ago, Josh yeah. Doxson. Yeah, they're always kind of been a tight end centric offense. Right. So my guess is, is they'll obviously they'll continue to rely on twelve and thirteen. But I wonder if they'll start mixing in Chris Thompson as a as a second back. They could because, like I said, I think when you look at this Eagles. At this Eagles defense, one area you do want to test are the linebackers in coverage. Now, then it's up to Coach Schwartz how he wants to go about doing this, whether he's going to play man or zone. Obviously, if it's zone, it's a different scenario. Yep. But I think you want to see how these linebackers with the Eagles, because some of them will be new as far as getting meaningful playing time. Uh, you want to see how they can cover. Yeah. One of the most important things, I think, also to talk about uh, with this Washington run game is just the multiplicity of it. You yeah. know, and that was one of the things that really impressed me, even going back to Jay Gruden's first and second season there, is you know inside zone, outside zone, power, counter, uh, split zone. I mean, I, the, the, I, you go down the list, right. long list of runs in that playbook. And you know, with that offensive line, look, they, you know, you're missing Trent Williams, and it was one of the best tackles in the game when he's on the field, no question. Um, you know, the, uh, changing the guard, Literally at left guard, right. uh, Eric Flowers stepping in now at left guard. Chase Roulier is back at center. Brandon Scherf is one of the best there is at, yep. in the NFL top, at right guard. Top right guard. He's one of, one of the, no question one of the top great guards in the NFL. And then uh, I think Morgan Moses is, is turned into a nice player. And he actually he's moving a little bit better yeah. this summer than I, what I've seen in the past. And he's a big boy. Yeah, I think with this O line. And I don't know what Jim Schwartz's philosophy will be, but I think you want to try to maybe do some things with slants, movement, because Sheriff's athletic. I'm not sure that the rest of the group is that athletic. Yep. You know, Flowers, Eric Flowers is the left guard. I assume he'll be the starter at left so guard. It looks like he will be at like, least to start the season. Right. Um, Keep an eye on the rookie, Wes Martin, out of Indiana for later. Right. But I think he'll start. And, yep. and, and I got to tell you, I know when he came out, a lot of people thought he was really athletic. I don't think he's ever played that way. So whether he tests athletic or not yep. is irrelevant. He right. doesn't play that way. 
And I think with him, Roulier, uh, Scherf's obviously an athletic guy, but I think you want to test those guys. Yeah. Even Donald Penn at left tackle, I assume he'll be the starter at yes, left tackle. He will be. Yep. You know, he's later in his career. He's not the mover he once was. Yep. So I think you want to test these guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if you see the Eagles with a lot of different fronts, a lot of different looks, and movement at the snap of the ball. Mm, interesting. You try and see if you can get those guys isolated. Get those guys to have to move yep. after the snap. Yep. Yeah, it'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch for sure uh, in the passing game. While we're talking about the passing game, I mentioned earlier, not a deep group of receivers, you know, here in Washington. You mentioned they get rid of Josh Doxson, but they have a couple of young guys. Trey Quinn uh, will be manning the slot. He's got yes. a lot of buzz this offseason. Yep. Seems yep. like he's a favorite uh, of Jay Gruden. Uh, I would expect that he'll be probably maybe the most uh, productive of these he receivers uh, out of the slot, kind of taking over that Jamison Crowder role uh, inside. Terry McLaurin, the rookie, looks like he's going to be starting at X. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, on he was him the kid from Ohio State. Ohio State. He could run. Yeah, he can run, and he, he, he showed some savvy as a route runner as he well. Did. Wasn't productive, but right. feel like he's got the ability to be a more productive NFL player. Yeah. So, and, and they still have Paul Richardson, I believe. Richardson's still, still there. Yeah. It looks like he'll be the starter at Z. Then they've got Kelvin Harmon uh, and Robert Davis as well. I think it's a work in progress group. No I, I mean, in all honesty, I think they look. They obviously uh, kept the the five guys they thought were the best five. Yep. Um, but I think given who they are, it's they're not sure yet either because there's no way you can know about McLaurin. There's no way you can know about Kelvin Harmon. Yep. Richardson, we kind of know what he is. And he was banged up last year too, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. But I mean, he's a, a more of a vertical guy. Yep. He, I remember when he came out of college, he could run. Yep. I know he's had some injuries, but he's probably still that guy. Um, I don't know your thoughts, but I I did not love Kelvin Harmon's tape in, in college. Yeah, I mean, that's why I he mean, was a day three pick. I yeah, Because yeah. a lot of people were really high on him in the media, but I, I think you and I kind of saw him the same. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, I think there's a lot of unknowns for them yep. at, the, at the wide receiver position. And, again, we, as you said when we started speaking, Fran— it's week one. We don't know exactly yeah. what this, the snap counts will be for yep. these players, and we don't know exactly what they'll be in a regular season game. Yeah, and so you look at the matchups here with this Eagles secondary, and you know, you've know you got uh, Razul Douglas, you've got Avante Maddox, you've got Sidney Jones, you've got Ronald Darby. Uh, it'll be interesting to just watch those matchups yep. in the secondary and just how the Eagles are going to play it. Uh, what excites you about this Eagles secondary going into the year? Um, well, I think they do have some some question marks at corner yep. at this point. Darby's okay. coming off a major injury. Yes. Um, you know, I really liked Avanti Maddox last year. Yeah, he had a really great liked him both at safety and at corner and a nickel as well. Yeah, nickel yeah, slot three corner. Spots. Yep. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll find out where he plays the majority of his snaps yeah. when Sunday comes. That's the thing. I mean, you, you know, look at him from last year, and he played on the outside of the Rams game, and yeah. he was outstanding against yeah. the Rams. I mean, he had the the, the jump route for the interception along the perimeter. Um, and, but as you mentioned, I mean, quality snaps at safety, quality snaps at nickel. Uh, so his versatility is certainly one of the big things he can hang his hat on going into. I the mean, year. McLeod is is ready. To to go right, so yeah, you would assume so. Yeah, he's so assuming McLeod's ready. McLeod and Jenkins will be at safety. That's a very good safety group. Yep, very good safety duo. So, and you're a big Andrew Sandejo fan as well. You know, I like Sandejo. Now, I think he fit exactly what Minnesota did. Yep. So the Eagles are a little what, different. So what, what were his uh, best traits? In well, that Minnesota scheme? played a lot of split safety. Okay. okay, I think Sandejo fits that really well. Um, the Eagles don't play as much of that now because to me, Sandejo is not a pure post safety, right? Single high, and he's not a pure box safety. Even though he's, I think his his DNA traits with his the physicality temper, temperament and is there, temperament yes, is yeah, there. Play personality. I don't yep. know if he's quite big enough to do that mm. snap. Like I don't think he could fill the the Jenkins role. Right, right, right. You know, on a, 
you know, snap after snap. Sure, but as a third or fourth safety in, yes. the, in the depth chart. Yeah, but I like of, the player. Yep, yep. I like the way he plays. I like his physicality. I like his toughness, yep. his temperament, as you said. So I like the player. I just thought he fit really well in Minnesota where they played a lot of, of, um, of split safety. Now, he did play post-safety there as to a, a certain amount because we know Harrison Smith yes. did play in the box at times. Yep. But it was not... It was a lot of split safety, but but I like Sandejo. Um, the corners, you know, how does this map out? You know, who's, who's who are where? The, That's yeah, the big question. Yep. I don't think we know that We've right now. We've seen so a lot of interchanging uh, yeah. throughout the course of the summer in training camp. A lot of you know, a lot of the writers had been uh, kind of charting that, and you could say you know, every single day it was kind of different they were, as they were trying out different combinations because you know injuries happen, so you have to right. try and figure out okay, what's our best group? Uh, whether we're in base, whether in nickel dime, uh, where do we want these guys to be deployed, and then also know. What kind of versatility you've got? If if and when those injuries occur, do you know that you can kind of move these? I pieces mean, when around? the Redskins line up in base personnel, and right. they will, they're going to line up with two tight ends. They'll line up with three tight ends. Right. Who are going to be the two corners in the Eagles' base? That'll be one of the big questions to answer early on. We don't know. Uh, I, yep. I don't think we know the answer to no. that. They, I think they know. We they know, know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they know. I don't we, think we uh, don't Coach know. Schwartz is walking in right now and going to tell us that. No, I don't no. think so. Um, but the safeties, we talked about those safeties. They're going to be involved with defending these tight ends uh, without question. And, and Jenkins a, is, is one of the best. Yeah, it's a tight end centric offense. Yeah. You know, and Jordan Reed. Uh, it looked like he suffered a concussion Another in the preseason. One. I think that's his seventh. Uh, it might it might even his eighth. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at, at this tight end end room uh, with whether Jordan Reed is healthier for this game or not. Vernon Davis is still doing it. Uh, Jeremy as, Sprinkle. As, 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 he Jeremy Sprinkle. Yeah, he is. So those are the three I tight ends on this him. roster. I mean, yeah. you know. as, for that role, he's perfect yeah. for what they need him And to I do. think he could probably be a little more, you yeah. know, but... Uh, hey, he's still there. You know, yep. they'll line up. Last year, there were a number of times they lined up. I think when Alex Smith was there, and, and quite honestly, you could make the argument that Case Keenum and Alex Smith, in terms of what they bring Skill to set, the yeah. table, sure. are similar. I remember a number of snaps last year where they had three tight ends on the field. Oh, they play a good amount of 13 yeah. and 12. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where they rank in terms of, right. the, in terms of the league, but I can tell they're you know, watching them. That's part of their identity. Yeah. Well, that'll be for that offense. It's, it's going to be, to me, I think you look at this offense and it's, so as we talked about at the beginning, they're going to want to run the ball, tight end centric, try and find your matchups. And I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to consistently score 30, 35 a game, but they're going to try and find different ways to beat you. I don't want to say dink and dunk, but they're going to try and I match think up their way. If they're uh, to hit the explosive plays, they're going to come out of base personnel in normal down and distance situations. Look, no team wants to be in third and long, yeah. obviously, yep. but I think they're not equipped at all to be in third and long. Sure. On any kind of consistent basis. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, let's go over to the other side uh, and just what this matchup looks like. To me, uh, the strength of this Eagle or of this Redskins team is that front three. Uh, really, right. you could say the front seven, uh, the front four when they're in nickel, however you want to put it. That defensive line. You it's know, good. It's, it's very good. Now, they lost um, Preston Smith. Yes. And he was a good pass rusher. Correct. So replacing that, we'll see if it's Ryan Anderson starting, who's not the pass rusher no. that he is. Um, or Montez Sweat, who I thought... Yeah, I thought he flashed. He had some yeah. moments. Uh, It'll be summer. interesting because I went through all their sacks, um, and I would say the a high percentage. You know, I didn't chart every one, but yeah. a high high percentage came just with a four man rush. Yep. You know, their sacks did not come off blitz. Yep. Um, they like to stunt, but they're not yes, a huge yes, blitzing yes, team. Yes. 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 A lot of stunning. A lot of stunning. Yep. But they didn't bring an extra rusher. Right. So assuming they stay with that philosophical approach. Yep. You know, then then the burns on the Eagles' offensive line. Sure, yeah, it's a it's a, a really interesting group. And let's talk about Dayron Payne, who you know really flashed uh, top fifteen pick a year ago out of Alabama. Love that kid. This summer, I don't know how much you've watched of that defense. 
He's been really, really impressive once again. Yeah, like he's, he's a Jonathan good player. Allen, who's a no good player too. I agree. Yeah. Who's a good player too. Payne has the ability, in my mind, to be a elite, if not like at the very right. top rung, like just below yeah. uh, in terms of being an interior defensive lineman in this league. He's really he, active. He can get after the quarterback I think as he well could as be elite. Like, he's really good. They player. also have one of the best D line coaches in the league in Jim Tomsula. That, I mean, that staff is full. I mean, Greg Minuski is the defense yeah. coordinator, but Ray Horton is there coaching DBs. Rob Ryan's coaching linebackers. Thomas Sewell on the D line. I mean, it's. There's a lot of accomplished defensive line or defensive coaches in that room. I mean, they've got Ryan Kerrigan, they've got Jonathan Allen, He's a good pass rusher. they've got yep. Deron Payne, yep. and now they've got to find that fourth guy. And obviously, maybe maybe it's maybe Montez it's sweat. sweat. Yep. You know, but um, and if he turns out to be a player early, yep. Then they've got a pretty pretty good front four when they're in their their sub. Yeah. He so with Sweat, what I saw this preseason was a guy that, and I want to get your thoughts on him coming out of Mississippi State, um, a guy that. Showed flashes against the run, and he uses his length well. Right, he's able to right. hold up at the point of attack. But also some nuance as a pass rusher, which I thought we saw a little bit of that at Mississippi State. Yeah. A guy knows how to use his hands independently, has a little bit of a plan to him. He's not going to wow you with his overall physical tools, although he tested like a freak at the combine, he and did. that helped him. But uh, I don't think I don't you necessarily think he saw exactly that. Yes, like that. exactly. You, you didn't but he's see certainly that not film. stiff. No, he's not. No, I mean, I wouldn't call him stiff. Yeah, so what, um, what were your thoughts on him coming out? I liked him. Um, you know, I thought I thought he was a pretty good speed to power guy. Yeah, he know he has he has yeah. an idea of what he's doing. I thought he, the, I the thought, quarterback. You know, one of the things I look at, and and again, not being a D line coach, and I can't sit here and tell you exactly where hands should be placed. You yep. know, but I thought the one thing you do notice is when a guy can play off initial contact. Yeah. And like for instance, the Boses do that exceptionally well. Sure. Yep. I thought Sweat did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. And I think that's critical because in the NFL, first of all, you're not going to run around tackles in the right. NFL. That's how that doesn't I happen. mean, you know, yeah. And Von Miller will do it on occasion. You know, the unbelievable athletes will do it on occasion. Yep. But in the NFL, you don't get sacks by just running around tackles unless they're. St- slow off the ball. Because what's going to happen is you try and run without using your hands at all, you get punched in the back of the head and work six six yards upfield. Correct. And you, and then you become irrelevant right. in the play. You're out. Yep. So, you know, I think that the key thing is you have to be able, however you do it, hands, uh, feints, whatever. You know, this yep. is where coaching comes in and I don't presume to be a D-line coach, but you've got to be able to work off contact. Yeah. And I thought he showed that he could do that. Yep. Uh, he's a, a guy that I think is really interesting. Well, probably, my guess is, and look, don't discount it. I loved Ryan Anderson coming out for what well, he was. I don't he's think really Sweat good... is going to play in their base 3-4. Yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah, well I don't right. know. That's, early on, early yeah, on. Early on, I yes. think it'll be Ryan Anderson. Yes. Because he's been there. He's a, and he's a great run defender. That's the thing about Anderson. He's a great run and defender. And he's pretty athletic. Yeah. He's a, he's a I guy. really liked him coming out of Alabama. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. And they've also been working in uh, Casanova McKenzie, who was an inside backer at Auburn. Auburn he's yeah. been playing off the edge for yeah. him, which I found yeah. uh, to be kind of interesting. Um, one guy we haven't talked about yet in that front is Matt Ioannidis, who got a big deal recently. By the way, he had something nice like player. eight sacks last year. He's, he's quick, a really he's a quick good gun, player. Man. Yeah, he gets into yeah. the backfield. Uh, very disruptive yep. player and does a really – we talked about their stunts. Right. He's great working off stunts. Yep. He's one of the better players, yep. I think, in the NFL at being able to work off games and twists. No, he's a player that should be mentioned. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. So I, for the Eagles, for, from an offensive line standpoint, you know, I would imagine you'll see the Lane Johnson, as long as he's healthy, Lane Johnson matched up on Kerrigan yeah. for most – Kerrigan normally lines up on the left side of their front. Normally. Normally. And, yeah. and so then you'll see 
whether it's Ryan Anderson, Preston Smith matched up on the left side oh, with Peters. Not there. Or, uh, sorry, uh, Montez, uh, Montez Sweat, Sweat yeah. matched up against Jason yeah. Peters. Um, Jonathan Allen usually at right defensive end, so right. you'll see some of Peters and Sayamalu. Payne over the center, so you'll see him against the guards and against Jason Kelsey, and then Ionitis against right. uh, hopefully Brandon Brooks. We'll see if uh, if he's able to go. If not, then uh, Halapula Vadi Vitae. That'll kind of be the matchup. Expect lots of twists, so the Eagles will have to have yep. everything buttoned up from a communication standpoint going into this game. You and I have done segments in the past on the. Uh, one specific blitz in particular right, where right. they work those well, linebackers off yeah. of stunts. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, they they so tend to be a little bit multiple Inside now with those backers, who is, is Hamilton? He, I assume he's one of the starters. So he is, So Sean Dion Hamilton, Hamilton is a second-year player. Another Alabama kid. Another Alabama kid who's had injury issues in the right, past, right. but he is healthy right now. Uh, paired with Jonathan Bostic, uh, an athletic former kid out of Florida, Straight line athletic. Straight line Always athletic. been a little stiff, but you know he's Fast been with a lot of. A dead, yeah, like he's been a with a lot of teams. He has. Yeah, he was in Pittsburgh last yeah, year. Yeah, um, you know, was it drafted by Chicago? Was a second round pick. Probably um, not a nickel player. Or, or, or a Probably not. Player. I think they're going to rely on him to be. They uh, may. To start. They Unless may. They, they, they played a lot of dime there. last year. The wild card there will be Josh Harvey Clemens, who now has made the full transition to linebacker for them. Former college safety at Louisville was a five-star recruit, I believe, initially he went to Georgia. He was their dime player last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And, and I thought he played it pretty well, to yeah, be honest with you. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that was the role that you envisioned for right. him uh, coming out of, so of I Louisville. Guess, I don't know. I don't see him playing linebacker in their base, but I think you'll you'll see him playing in their subs. In their subs. Yep. And Cole Holcomb, a rookie out of North Carolina. Did you get a chance to do him? I, I didn't. I didn't, but he I tested didn't do well. Him. He tested well, and and uh, we had Mark Bullock from the Athletic. I don't know if you follow Mark uh, on Twitter. Does a great job covering that team, uh, especially from an X's and O's standpoint. Said that uh, Holcomb was a favorite of Jay Gruden and may work in it as early you know, as midseason as a starting player right. for them uh, in that defense. We'll see if he's taken over for Jonathan Bostic. But Bostic to me is a guy that is the definition of fast flow. You know, right. react to the fir- first movement, first color, he's going. So misdirection, you know, different things to kind of work his eyes in the backfield, get him going one way and then go Bostic back the other. is very much, and not the exact kind of player, but very much like Zach Brown with the Eagles. Yeah, okay. They're good enough to stay in the league and, and good enough to be starters, yep. but something must be missing because they play with a lot of teams. Yeah, it's uh, Bostic... Um, you know, but he is rangy. He is explosive. Right, uh, a guy that you know certainly can make plays sideline to sideline. We mentioned John Deion Hamilton, but coming in, they you know they acquired Reuben Foster last year. He ended up to, he's, uh, out, for the he's year. out for the year, so he's not playing. They got rid game, of Mason obviously. Foster. They got rid of Mason Foster. They got rid of Zach Brown. So huge turnover at the linebacker yep. position uh, for that team. Let's go over to the to the uh, the second level now, uh, or the third level, I should say, and talk about that secondary. Um, you know, a lot of like, I would say most of the same players. One big change: Landon Collins, Collins stepping in at safety. Big free agent acquisition for the New York Giants. Well, it appears that it'll be Landon Collins and Monte Nicholson at safety. So, what do you think of that duo in general? I think they're both strong safeties. Interesting and. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Mm. Because, Nicholson's been a flash player for them. He's made well, plays Nicholson, in bunches. Yeah. Nicholson, I, I remember him in Michigan State. I did study him coming out of Michigan State. He's I missed him. He's an explosive yep. straight line kid. He ran at 215, 220 pounds like a 4-4. Yeah. I mean, he's an explosive straight yeah, line Yeah, I wish I studied athlete. him. I didn't study him. Um, he was not drafted high, though, because he was seen, I'm sure, as, as – somewhat limited in yep. what his responsibilities could be in an sure. NFL defense. So they're basically playing with two strong safeties. We'll see how that plays out mm. because in this league, you're going to have to play single high. Somebody's going to have to be the post safety. I guess that would be Nicholson. Me too, because he can run. Yep. Landon Collins is not a post. Now, that doesn't mean he'll never play a snap of, of post safety, but he's not a post safety. 
So the, the question in this game is, when the Eagles line up with 12 personnel, with Dallas Goddard and Zach Gertz, yep. how will the Redskins play? Will they play zone? Or when they match up, how will they match up? Yep. Because I think they're at a matchup disadvantage if they're going to play man-to-man. Yeah, so 37 snaps last year. Uh, this will be a segment for Eagles game plan to keep an eye out for this week. But uh, 37 snaps, uh, the Eagles played 12 personnel against the Redskins last year. In the year, two games? In the two games. Two-thirds of those snaps, they matched up in base. And we had, when we had Mark Bullock on a few weeks ago, he, that was, I didn't even have that stat yet. And he said, I would imagine that they will match up in base uh, in 12. Now, right. we take that from a personnel standpoint standpoint now to the schematic standpoint of what you just said do they play man do they play zone what happens if the eagles go 12 and then they go empty what happens if they line up in a more traditional condensed look that's where the you know the chess match uh, right the game i mean comes if the eagles start spreading it out because we've seen the eagles with wins since he's been a rookie go empty remember the chicago monday night yep. game mm-hmm. you know or, uh, which was his first year Week and it was two, early, yeah, yeah. yeah you know so the eagles certainly can do that both Ertz and goddard can are detached players. They can split. So, look, they know the Redskins better than we do. We study as much as we can, but we're not coaches. Right, of course, yes. So they'll know when they go empty, they'll have a pretty good sense of will they match up man or will they play zone. Yep. And they'll know that going in. Yeah, most so most teams, if they feel comfortable... They'll, they'll, they may try and match up and say, all right, we're going to go man-to-man here. Other times, you'll see a lot of what a lot of teams will do, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like most teams will check to zone and it'll go to cover two. You know, that, that's a lot kind of, of teams do that. Yeah. You know, because, look, if, the, if they're staying in base and Bostick's, he's going to be in the game in base. Yep. Look, they, they they know their players better than we do, but right. I I wouldn't feel real comfortable with Bostic, let's say, outside the numbers matched up to Ertz or, or Goddard. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Would you feel comfortable with that if you were the Redskins? No, I would not, no. No. So, no. I mean, I think there's there's some potential concerns, and which begs the question, you know, they could stay base. If they get burned with some plays early, they could go to nickel. Yep. And if they go to nickel— then what do the Eagles do as far as the run game? Now you try to run the ball. Now you try to run the ball. Yep, no doubt. I mean, uh, that's the other problem is, you know, not even with Bostic, but one of those edge guys is going to have to cover somebody. Somebody. Whether it's a back yeah. or a tight end. I mean, right. you know, they're going to have to cover somebody in space. And so that's where, to me, that's where, you know, we got so excited when the Eagles selected a Miles Sanders. If the Eagles were to kind of go in 12 and go empty with Sanders with on the Sanders, field, yeah. now you've got a lot of chess pieces kind of right. work with. It's, or it, even, you know, Sproles. No doubt. Right. That's, you have to figure out how you I mean, Sproles has done a ton of that in his career. And we're talking about something that's not going to be like, this might be one or two snaps in the game, but, but they could make the, a, make a huge make difference. They could make a huge difference. Yeah. Every game comes down to seven, eight right. plays. That, uh, you know, and I think early from. in the season, you see teams try to research what the other team will do. Yep. Because, yes, do the Eagles... Does the Eagles coaching staff know Greg Minuski? Sure they do. But Minuski, you know, he might tweak his defense, different personnel. They, they have to confirm what they anticipate he will do. And I think early in the season, you see a lot of that. Yeah, and they, they it seemed one of the things that I – tell me if this is something that you picked up on. A lot of disguising from them this summer, which I thought was very interesting. A lot of post-snap movement, uh, you know, where they'd line up one safety in one direction and then and rotate out. Right. Uh, they did a lot of different disguise things um, from that. Is that a Minusky thing? You I think, think, he, a Ray I think you're going to see that more and more in the league as really? a whole. Why Absolutely. Is that? Um, I think that's the way defenses have to now respond to to the fact that it's an offensive game mm. and that offenses are doing a lot more in terms of personnel usage and formations and I think you can't just line up in static looks. Interesting. I think you'll see that more and more throughout the league. Um, I think you're going to have to see it. They're going to have to try. Look, the great offenses and the great quarterbacks more often than not win before the ball is snapped. Mm. 
So what you have to do as a defense is make it more and more difficult for them to get a clear picture of what's happening before the ball is snapped. You've got to make the quarterback, even the great ones, think through the play. All it takes in the NFL, as you know, Fran, is half a beat. If a quarterback you know, is indecisive for half a beat, the defense wins that down. Yeah, so there might be some feast and famine there. You know, right. At times you can kind of disguise yourself out of coverage where guys may be out of position, but Correct. you're hoping that you can get some big plays out of it as well, whether it's sacking the quarterback or creating no a question. turnover. And, and you're not disguising on every single of play. Of course, yes, right? exactly, I mean, right. You know, sometimes you line up and play, yeah. but you know, depending on situations, you'll, you'll do that. Yeah, it was one thing I noticed just watching the Redskins. It seemed like they were doing a little bit more than, than what I had seen from them Well, the and they past. have to practice it in, in a game situation at game speed. Yeah, so uh, big keys for the Eagles offense going into this game against this Redskins defense. How do you see it? Well, I guess what I'm most interested to see is what the balance is between 12 personnel and 11 personnel. Yeah. Because they've got a pretty good receiving core, too. Yes, they do. We didn't even discuss the wideouts. They've right. got a pretty good receiving they core. Do. You know, and, and Deshaun's going to play, obviously, yep. you know, even with the— We didn't talk about the corners. We talked yeah. we went right to the safeties. You know, so you got Josh Norman, Fabian Moreau, uh, Quinton Dunbar, DRC is there, and then Greg Stroman, Jimmy Moreland, uh, the nickel corner, uh, the, looks right. like, who looks like so he'll be the nickel corner, the rookie. Moreau pick. played in the slot last year when they went— And it seems like that'll be Moreland this year. I think they you didn't think like going to be the, the I think slot so. player? I think so. I think that, that was well, kind of his best role. Well, he's built more for it. I, I saw Moreau coming out of UCLA as being an outside corner. Yeah, that's Now, so whether I, he yes. ends up— you know, playing meaningful snaps because Dunbar has been the corner opposite uh, Norm in the last couple of years. Yep. But and that's how it was this preseason, just right. going through my notes. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think the thing about the Eagles is Deshaun Jackson can line up anywhere. Yep. And if they feel that there's, you know, if Jimmy Moreland's in the slot and let, you know, and he's truly their slot corner versus 11 personnel, yeah. I think you might see Deshaun in the slot Yeah. at times because he can still run. We actually went through some of his stuff from last year and and you and I know you probably did as well when they signed him. Yes. I mean, he still can run now. Absolutely. He runs by people. The thing that stood out to me about Deshaun, and we, we've talked about this really over the last couple of years, you know, whether they're playing the Bucs, even the, the last year when he was in Washington, right. is it's not even just about the speed with him anymore. He's just become such more of a nuanced route runner, and that allows him to be a little bit more versatile than he was right. when he was here in his first tour. See, it would not surprise me to see this particular personnel package uh, okay. and formation for the Eagles. All right, let's see. Two tight ends, close formation to the boundary. All right, so two tight ends, both on the line of scrimmage to the short side of the field. The short okay. side of the field. Jeffrey, the outside receiver, and Jackson in the slot to twins to the field. Okay, so what does that do from a defensive standpoint? What does that mean for the for Well, the you're going to find out defensively, number one, whether they're going to play man or zone, yep, predominantly. Because you're seeing where that corner you're is. You're going to see where that corner, who normally is to the short side of the field, if he goes over and lines up head up on Jackson, then more than likely they're going to play some form of man. Yep. It's not 100%, yeah. but more than likely. Okay. If he doesn't go over there... And he stays on the on the back side, you know, the short side of the field. Then they're probably in some kind of zone coverage. Yeah. And the thing is, is you take Jackson in that spot and you run him on those over routes or deep crossers. That becomes tough to defend. The Redskins, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe they've done. They've been a corners over team. Not consistently. Yeah. Because you know? I'm thinking of how they use Josh Norman. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall that being a consistent thing right. with them. So, I mean, I would not be surprised to see the Eagles line up with that personnel package 12 and that formation and see how the Redskins play that. Because the thing about that formation, too, is it also 
pretty much dictates one-on-one with Jeffrey against the corner on the outside. Well, that's what I was going to bring up is when you have a defense that kind of has that identity and you know, you don't want to say that they're predictable, but you know, all right, chances are this is how they're going to play if we line up in this look. It goes back to what we and talked about with way, empty. teams know all this stuff. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, I, mean, I, mean, try, I, I spent time, out. time yes. with coaches this, this offseason, had a chance to go to some training camps. And coach, you know, they know all this stuff. The right. NFL is not about fooling people. Coaches co- coach what they do. I mean, they, yeah, they, they do yeah, what they, you they know, do. The, what they do, right. and coaches know. Yes. You know? So they've, they, they've got yeah. their identity. But, yeah. Greg uh, Minuski has been coaching a number of years as a D coordinator. Right. The Eagles he, have he's all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, when he tweaks something here and there. Right. Yeah, but he's not going to have a whole new defense. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so that gets back to what I was saying where, uh, you know, if you know as, a, as an offense, this is what the defense is going to do from a coverage standpoint. When we line up in this look, now you're calling plays that attack that kind of coverage. Without and that's what, that's what game planning is all about. Right. It's going to be... And, uh, and, and you have plays in your playbook that do that. You know, maybe you're putting in... You know, sure, does a team put in, a, you know, a new play in a given week? Yeah, but it's a new play within the concept of what they do. Right. You know, in other words, you know, all of a sudden... Doug Peterson's not going to put in a play from Mike Leach. You know, right, he's right. he's going to put in a play that's sort of within what they do that is just a little different to attack something that they feel they're going to get. Although the mesh concept from Mike Leach is well, a big Well, it's funny you say that because <laughs> I spent time this summer with a coach who's been in the NFL for... He's now retired. He's coaching the NFL for close to 40 years. Okay. Good friend of mine. He came and spent a day with me this summer. We watched tape, talked ball. So... We were watching tape, and there was the the mesh, the mesh with the sit behind it, and yep. the and the wheel, yeah, which is what everybody yeah, does sure. now. Sure, everybody has it now. Yep. So you know, I, I just mentioned, I said, you know, that that play is viewed as coming from Hal Mummy, and he said, well, we ran that play twenty five years ago when I was with so and so. So you know, and and I learned that when I did the book with Jaworski years ago. Right. You know, I saw a lot of stuff that is is you know attributed to someone you know in the last ten years. Right. And. It was being run 25 years ago. Sure. It just wasn't given a name the way right. it is now. Right. So, you know. I see that every year when, yeah. we, when I do, the over the summer, I do the uh, the old school 22 pieces. Right, where, right. Know, I go back and I watch. Unfortunately, our film, you know, I can only get to a certain point. Maybe the, the best I can do is like mid 80s sometimes. Right, but right. Go back and watch film from those. Right, it's right. a lot of fun. And you see some you know, plays and concepts. Yeah. You're like, oh, all right. Oh, well, there, there's that. There's an RPO in, in 1988. See, and, and Twitter has made it such that for a lot of these, and, and the athletic is an unbelievable deal, but a lot of guys, you know, or younger guys and they're phenomenal yep. but you know they see stuff and because they don't necessarily have a background of, of having done this for a long time to them it's brand new mm. so you see you know with social media now wow I just saw this and I've never seen it well that's because you're 28 years old not because you don't know anything you're 28 years old right so you know and, and hey it just means I'm old because I've been doing this a long time you know that right right but I mean there's a lot of stuff I've seen you know go back 25 30 years that people do now and, and that gets talked about as if it's brand new and I've never seen this before nope. you know well, so, we will have some brand new football to break I down next, wait. Uh, next week uh, right here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Greg, thank you as always. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that you can catch at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. But the number one way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. Before I get into the ones from this week, I wanted to first hope you guys enjoy uh, the new artwork for the show, a little bit of a rebrand 
ending for the show. Obviously, all the same content, but uh, new album artwork. Hope you guys all enjoy that. And if you're around the city, if you're in the Philadelphia area, go check out, if you, especially if you ride uh, SEPTA, if you ride, you know, whether it's the regional rail or buses or subways, keep an eye out for, uh, and if you see any of the uh, the branding, any of the advertisement for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, just take a quick picture, share it on, on social media, tag me. I'm excited to see uh, what some of that stuff looks like. But uh, yeah, so a, a really exciting time here for Eagles Entertainment. New rebranding uh, for Dave Spadaro's podcast, so the Eagles Insider podcast. If you caught uh, that little segment that we posted early Monday morning, you know what that show will all be about. We'll obviously still have the Journey to the Draft podcast with myself and Ben Fennell and Tony Pauline on a weekly basis discussing college football with an eye towards next April's draft. That'll be a weekly say, or a weekly show as as well throughout the course of the fall. All right, uh, let's get things going here. Like I said, uh, a couple comments I wanted to get to from our Apple Podcast page. First, from Aaron Drews 1020 left a five-star review. Just said how much they enjoyed the podcast. They live up in Patriots territory, love getting some Eagles coverage, loved all the stuff we did over the course of training camp and the preseason. So Aaron, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate you listening. Hope you guys enjoyed not just the daily training camp updates, but then also the look ahead to our NFC uh, East opponents, you know, whether it was Washington, Dallas, or New York. So Aaron, really appreciate it. And then also uh, DBG15, you know, just a good, another five-star review saying how much you enjoyed the show, how much you enjoyed all the information we share on a weekly basis. So uh, great stuff from Aaron and DBG. So thank you to all of you and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and, like I said, all of the podcast offerings that we have here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this thing going. Let's go next to our scouting report segment, my notes on Darius Geis. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Darius, guys, 5'10 and a half, over 220 pounds coming out of LSU. And this guy started a year and a half for the Tigers. He kind of stepped in for Leonard Fournette, the, the future top five pick, when he went down with injury in his final season. So he stepped right in, was extremely productive for Cam Cameron in that pro-style offense, a lot of two backs, a lot of gap-style stuff. Uh, and so did a lot of things for them in that offense in his first year and then stepped in for Matt Canada, was the full-time back uh, as a junior. And this guy ended up finishing, even though he's only on the field for a year and a half, as a starter, ended up finishing fifth in team history in the area for LSU in terms of rushing. Uh, was second team all conference in 2017. Over the course of his career, ran a good amount of both zone and gap schemes. Uh, so he had that versatility coming out. He wasn't just a guy that you know you thought was was best for one scheme or another. He did, however, I thought look at his best when he was running behind a fullback. He looked very comfortable, I should say, with a full with a lead back out in front. But again, had that versatility. And then in this offense, like we discussed earlier with Greg, they are a very multi. Front, or multiple schemes, so a lot of different run schemes there uh, in that offense with Jay Gruden. He's effective in all of them. Uh, got pretty good speed, but I thought he was more quick than he was explosive. Able to jump cut to find a crease or make defenders miss in a phone booth. He's got great feet as well. We saw a little bit of that this preseason. I thought his game against Atlanta, his preseason debut, made some runs that you know you really kind of saw that lateral ability show up a little bit on film. Does a nice job setting up his blocks. Really patient at the point of attack. Ability to kind of pick a hole and hit it. Clear under understanding of his run schemes, and he displayed a real feel, a real knack for making people miss both in a phone booth and out in space. Again, we saw a little bit of that this preseason. This guy, though, when it comes down to it, this is an attitude runner. That was one of the things I wrote in my notes. Really wanted to be a tone setter, wanted to inflict pain on defenders. His best trait 
was his play strength, his violence at the point of contact. Defenders are in for a fight when they line up against him. Does a better job running through first contact than you'd expect for a guy that played around 215. I mentioned he checked in at the combine over 220, but his playing way, at least what he was listed at at LSU, was around 215. So, you know, found different ways to just kind of stay alive. Just his contact balance, I thought, was really impressive. Fumbled only one time in 12 games. So for a guy that was a foundation for LSU and also ran physically, it was good that he only put the ball on the ground one time. Did have a couple of drops, but I thought he was serviceable as a receiver. That was probably one of the bigger questions was, what can he be on third down for you? And we'll get it right from there. We'll get into the negatives. Like I said, had some drops. Was effective in the screen game, but not a guy that you were moving all around. He was not that kind of satellite back. More of a guy that you want in the backfield. You know, you can do some things with him in the passing game, but you wondered, okay, what is he going to be for us as a pass catcher? And then also, in pass protection, I didn't see that same kind of violence and competitiveness that we saw from him as a runner. So I wanted to see him get better as a blocker. We'll see uh, this Sunday if that's something that uh, he has continued to work on. I thought his upper body was really, really strong. You saw him lower the shoulder into people. You saw him kind of you know, throw that stiff arm. He had the ability to kind of shrug things off in his upper body. I did want to see him get a little bit stronger in his lower half. I thought if you took a shot uh, below the waist that he, was, he did go down a little bit more often than you would want to see. But overall, this guy was a really competitive runner, a guy that I thought was a really good back, patient, quick, ran hard, not overly dynamic and won't wow anyone with his short area burst, but uh, a guy that I thought had the ability to be a primary ball carrier. Not a foundation like what we'd seen from like a Zeke Elliott, you know, where the offense flows through them over the course of a 16-game season, but any given day, like I mentioned with Greg, at any given game he has the ability to be a, a 25, 30 carry a game kind of player if that's the way that you want to play offense. So, uh, the, look, the, the Eagles, from a, from a defensive standpoint, He's the guy, to me, that you've got to make sure you stop Darius Geis and that run game. Make them one-dimensional uh, in this game, and I think uh, you'll find some success on the defensive side of the ball. So, great stuff this week. I'm really excited to get things going here in Week 1. Great stuff from Greg and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you again one more time. Take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. It's the number one way to support the podcast. But that being said, I think that'll do it. Another Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.